We've looked at God's design for marriage. We've looked at uh, God's design uh, for gender and sexuality. We've looked at God's design for uh, before and outside of marriage. And then tonight we're looking at uh, really two topics. We're going to be spending just a few minutes uh, on the gospel and parenting and the relationship between parents and children. And uh, then we will conclude our time with uh, communicating this message in a world that uh, certainly uh, models and believes and promotes a message that is very different, generally speaking, uh, from what Scripture says. And so uh, we're going to spend a few minutes together on the gospel and parenting, and then we'll break and we'll sing a, a hymn together, and then we'll come back and conclude with the final section. But that being said, uh, we will not meet the, ne- the next uh, two Sunday nights uh, because of spring break. Um, and then the first two Sunday nights of April, we'll be doing something a little bit different. The first Sunday of April, we'll begin our Journey to the Cross series as we uh, look at uh, Jesus' life according to the Gospel of John leading up to Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. So those first two Sunday nights in April, the 6th and the 13th, We'll have guests with us and guest speakers and worship leaders that uh, I think you'll want to be a part of, uh, some gifted individuals and uh, excited about welcoming them uh, the first couple Sunday nights in April. But let's uh, look at the gospel-centered family together tonight. Gospel-centered parenting. What does the gospel teach parents and children? That's a question that I pose as we look at this, we learn from Scripture that children are a gift from God. Children are a gift from God. Psalm 127, beginning in verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Ultimately, we believe, if we believe Scripture, and if we believe that God is the author of life, the creator of life, and children are a gift from God. Uh, They are part of His design, as part of His plan. And whenever we're blessed with children, our nieces or nephews or grandchildren, we know that ultimately God is the author behind them. And so uh, He deserves great thanks for that. The ultimate goal of Christian parenting ought to be to help our children love God. The ultimate goal of Christian parenting ought to be to help our children love God. Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Two religious groups, Jewish religious leaders that had missed the gospel, had missed Christ. These two groups got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So if the greatest thing for any of us to do is is to love the Lord with all of us, every part of us, then that ought to be our goal with our children as we raise children, as we instruct children, whether they're own, our own children or even children in the life of the church, uh, we want them to fall in love with the God of Scripture. Those are first and, and foremost goal as parents. God commands us to teach our children to know His Word. 
So three ways that we help our children love God. Firstly, God commands us to teach our children to know His Word. And you have Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9 in your notes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up and I want to begin reading that same chapter in verse 1. <clears throat> this comes just after Deuteronomy chapter 5. You knew that. Uh, which records the giving of the law, the giving of the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 6 begins this way. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, all the time, everywhere you go. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, the word of the Lord is important. Know it. Spend time in it. Teach it to your children. Make sure that they spend time with it. Make sure that it's always before them. Notice that in the the passage that I just read from Matthew chapter 22, and uh, likewise this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the goal is not simply to know the Word, as important as that is, but ultimately the goal is to love the Lord. We increase in in love for the Lord as we know Him and we know that we get to know Him through His Word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Not just in your minds, but upon your hearts, signaling devotion and life change and transformation because of an encounter with the God of Scripture. So we want our children to love God and We help them by teaching them to know His Word. Psalm 78, beginning in verse 1. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. So a picture of teaching the word of the Lord to the next generation for the sake of the next generation and the next generation, simply passing down the word of the Lord in that way. God commands us to teach our children to know his word. Secondly, Christian parents are to model 
faithfulness to God. As Christians, as parents, we are to model faithfulness to God. And Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, follow my example as I follow Christ. He was serving as a model for them to look at, to emulate the way that he devoted his life to Christ. And he also told the church at Philippi, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So we're to model faithfulness to God. And thirdly, Christian parents are to display the love of God. To display the love of God. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Certainly, well-known passage of Scripture that gives us a snapshot, a clear picture of God's love for the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. The picture of the great love of God, the love that we're to display and to teach and to to model to our children. Fathers, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Re-emphasize in the idea of training them and teaching them the things of God, the Word of God, the ways of God, the character of God. Teaching them about our Lord. Love your children by disciplining your children. Love your children by disciplining your children. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Children need discipline. We know that. Clear picture of that in Scripture. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. Punish them with a rod and save them from death. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and following. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when He rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one He loves and He chastens everyone He accepts as His son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not Legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. The idea of God disciplining His children in the way that parents also discipline their children. And the purpose of that discipline is for them to, to know God, to be corrected, to be trained. 
far as what it means to live a life of obedience and faithfulness and ultimately devotion and love for God. I love this quote from David Platt, pastor just down the road at the church of Brook Hills. Discipline your children with love that leads them toward God, not with anger that leads them away from God. Love that leads them toward God. And so the motivation for our discipline is love. And for a desire for for children, our children and grandchildren and children in this faith family to know God, a desire for them to to fall in love with the one that we've fallen in love with, to see the greatness of God. It doesn't mean that we abstain from discipline at all, but it means that our discipline has the right motivation. So children are a gift from God. Likewise, parents are a gift from God. Parents are a gift from God. After all, parents and children, this was God's design. What does that mean for us? Honor your parents. Honor your parents. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Romans chapter 1, verses 28 and following. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they, so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So a clear picture of, of the sin nature. Some strong descriptions here of sin. And right in the middle of it is disobeying parents. So clearly God's design is that parents take the lead. Parents teach and instruct and children and not only children, but even as we age as adult children, still to honor our parents. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Just a snapshot view of the relationship between Christian parents and and children and the way that parents are to instruct and lead and teach children and children are to honor and to obey parents. But the reality is that some are not privileged with parents or even good parents in this world. We know this to be true. But if you are a follower of Christ, then you have the greatest father. If you know Christ, if you've trusted in Christ, then you have the greatest father in heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? A heavenly Father, a Creator who watches over us, a 
cares for us and provides for us and desires what is best for us. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. One of the most beautiful pictures in all of Scripture. Sinners, wayward children like you and like me, who have fallen far, far short of the standard of God, of the Creator, has extended great mercy and compassion to us. So much so that through Christ, through the gospel of Christ, He calls us His children. We have an eternal inheritance in heaven with the Father because of the love of Father of the Father for us. If you are a follower of Christ, then you have the greatest Father in heaven. Well, final segment here, home stretch. So if this has been a bore to you, I apologize. We're almost finished, but communicating God's design in a fallen world. Now, most of, if not all of what we have covered in our time together has has not been new. It's not been earth shattering. It's not something that you probably didn't already know, but it's a picture of, of a family and God's design for family according to Scripture. And so good reminders for us, particularly uh, in a world that um, promotes a different message, uh, a totally contrary message. We support God's design for marriage by promoting God's design for marriage. We support God's design for marriage, and we would even extend that further Perhaps I should say we support God's design for marriage and for families and for gospel-centered families by promoting God's design in each of these areas. Why is this important? And we know this, but it's important because the world adamantly promotes a contrary message. The world adamantly promotes a contrary message. Just a look at the entertainment industry makes that clear. Uh, This is just a sampling of TV shows. This is not, you might ask, why these shows? Just, these, these are shows that have been popular. Uh, and I'm not, uh, by, by naming these, I'm not saying you should feel guilty or not for, for watching these. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but you ought to be aware of them. Particularly if you have children or grandchildren in the home that, that watch these things. You ought to know that they promote a message that is different. They display a message, a, a picture that is different from what we've covered in God's design for marriage. But television shows like Friends, The Bachelor, Two and a Half Men, Grey's Anatomy, Jersey Shore, etc. We could go on and on and on and on. The point is, the popular shows of our day, generally speaking, don't abide by the standard of God's Word. Don't teach the standard of God's Word. Don't communicate the picture of God's Word. And music from, and you may ask, how do, 
how did I come up with these particular artists? And what I did, I took an anonymous survey of those that have been attending on Sunday nights. And these were some of your favorite artists. And so, shame on you. No, really, these are just artists that uh, at the week I put this together uh, and revisited this just a few weeks ago. These all had top ten songs uh, on iTunes. and Music from Bruno Mars, Beyonce, Katy Perry, Jason Derulo, and most other top artists. And uh, Some of you are thinking, who is that? I don't know who that is. And others are you thinking, man, I love those songs. Either way, be aware of them. Be aware of the message that's being communicated through them. Particularly when it comes to kids that are so moldable and um, listening and hearing and being taught and being shaped and being pulled in various directions. But be aware of those things. So the entertainment industry, also the fashion industry. The fashion industry, clothing companies that use immorality to advertise. And you know what I'm talking about. You've seen these. You've seen it on television. You've seen it at the Galleria or at the Summit, wherever. But this is popular, using immorality, using sexual immorality to sell things. And not just in fashion, but in all over the place. So the fashion industry, also our schools, our schools. School-sponsored clubs that promote a, a lifestyle that's different from God's teaching. In the locker room, in the locker room, in the lunch room, in the hallways, etc. In other words, conversations. This is not to pick on schools. This is not to say you need a homeschool or you need to only send your kids to private schools. That's, that's your decision as parents. But the point is that they're going to be exposed uh, to, to teaching that is different from God's design, if, if nowhere else, just through conversations with friends and in the classroom. So the entertainment industry, the fashion industry, our schools. Lastly, social networking. Social networking, inappropriate advertisements, posts, pictures, etc. Again, this is not me saying you're... Your 15-year-old daughter doesn't need to be on Facebook. That's, that's your decision. That's for you to work through as a parent. But, but to know that you will come across these things. Be prepared as parents to, to use them as teaching tools. To make sure that they're hearing God's design amidst a world that adamantly promotes a different message. Unfortunately, Christians are not immune We're not immune to this. We know this. We started here and we're coming back to it. The church is not immune either. The world generally opposes God and the things of God. That's the reality. The world generally opposes God and the things of God. John chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world picture of the incarnation, a picture of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God coming. He was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. The world doesn't even recognize its Creator. John chapter 3, verses 16 and following. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. John chapter 12, verse 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. In other words, apart from Christ and apart from faith in Christ, we are all in darkness. Not just surrounded by darkness in the world, but depraved ourselves, lost ourselves, entrapped and enslaved in sin ourselves. That's the picture of of all in the world and of, of the world. Satan will always oppose God and the things of God. It's not only the world that promotes a different message, but Satan most certainly opposes God and the things of God. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, but there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, be alert and, sober, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. The devil is real. The devil is looking for every opportunity to lure people away from from God and the things of God and the teachings of God and a lifestyle that is pleasing to God. The world opposes God. Satan opposes God and the things of God. And all humanity has a bent towards sin. All humanity has a bent toward sin. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. So the task before us is certainly daunting, considering the world believes and promotes a different message and the devil is real, doing the same thing, often under disguise. Not only that, but all of us have a natural proclivity, a natural tendency to fall victim to sin. So how should we promote God's design in the world? How should we promote God's design for marriage and families in the world, given those things are true about the world and about us? Firstly, five ways. Firstly, live out your faith. Live out your faith. Jesus speaking his listeners in the Sermon on the Mount said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father 
in heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Paul wrote, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Live out your faith. You are salt. You are light. Conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Secondly, gently confront fellow Christians living in sin. Gently confront fellow Christians living in sin. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. There's that proclivity towards sin, that bent towards sin. We are so bent towards sin that we got to watch out just to correct a brother or sister so that we don't fall into that same temptation. So live out your faith. Gently confront fellow Christians living in sin. Thirdly, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Talking about maturing in Christ, growing in Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is, Christ. Our task is to speak the truth, to promote God's design, to speak it, speak it with courage, but to do so in love. To do so with the love of Christ, recognizing that, generally speaking, the world doesn't know Christ. So how can we expect them to live like Christ? We're called to, to tell them and to show them the love of Christ. Fourthly, pray for faithfulness among God's people. Pray for faithfulness among God's people. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and following. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. In other words, stand firm in your faith. We have to pray that we're faithful. We have to pray that we, as the people of God, remain faithful to, to God's word, to his desires, to his picture, knowing that even believers, even those that know Christ and spend time with Christ constantly or regularly are, are prone to sin. So pray that we would be faithful. And lastly, as we seek to promote God's design for a gospel-centered family, let's pray for the lost. Pray for the lost. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4. through four. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made 
for all people, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Pray for the lost. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your word and we thank you for the truth that's found in your word. We thank you for the picture of your design, your desires for us as your people as they relate to to families, to gospel-centered families and to to living in light of your truth and promoting your design, your design, Lord, in a in a lost world, in a in a fallen world. Lord, we pray that you'd give us wisdom. We pray that you'd give us strength. We pray that we would be faithful as your people, that we would be devoted to you, that we would spend time with you, that we would repent of sin before you, that we would be led by you, that we would hold each other accountable before you, that we would speak the truth in love, that we would live out our faith in you, Lord, and we pray for for the lost. We pray for those in this community that don't know you. Lord, we pray that we would be light shining in this dark world. Lord, that we would be salt, that we would be light, that we would conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel so that others might see the picture of your love, the display of your love through Christ and come to know you and to live for you. Lord, we thank you for these few moments tonight. We thank you for the chance to gather in your name and to look at your word and to be reminded of your truth from your word. And Lord, I do pray that that you continually mold us to be more faithful followers after Jesus Christ for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, thank you for coming tonight. Thank you for being a part of this series. And you are dismissed.